0: Alright, uh, tonight it's at 6 without. then tomorrow and Tuesday nights at 7. Of course, if you haven't voted, you need to vote. And I want to just re- remind everybody here of like Andy Addero. I love what Andy Addero says. On the, he says, on the day of judgment, he saw Jesus standing before people and saying these two things. Why and how come? Why? How come? Sounds like Andy, doesn't it? So when you go to vote, You just think about that. Yes, sir. (laughs) Uh It always helps to pray. And in case you haven't, I have, so I have a list of people I'm going to pray for before we're done today. And against. God is kind of opinionated. What can I say? He doesn't like killing future generations. He doesn't like shedding innocent blood. He doesn't like promoting perversion. He doesn't like uh, promoting things that destroy a country. Hallelujah. But here's the best news you're the answer to the whole deal. You. Smile at somebody and say, You are God's answer. You represent Him. I mean, you're, you're His voice in the earth. So, a lot of people will form their opinion about God based on your life. So, God gave me a great word. I just got it when I got here. Coming down on the airplane... The Lord spoke to me. By the way, I'll, t- I'll tell you what we have been doing. For those of you that haven't been here, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Oh, shoot, we've got a fair amount of, to cover today, but I'll do as quickly as I can and try to condense it as much as possible. We, we are in the middle of a spiritual e- uh, experiment. All right, we, we've never done this before, but we decided to do this for this reason. Uh, about oh, a year and a half ago, the Lord said to me, I'm going to teach you Ephesians the way I taught it to the Apostle Paul. And and what was the fruit of it in Paul's life? When Paul got saved, Saul of Tarsus, he was a serial killer. He had multiple people that he had uh, killed, imprisoned others. I mean, he was one bad dude. Wasted the church. Three times in our Bible, this is his testimony After meeting Jesus, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Now, that's one heck of a statement when you've got innocent blood all over your hands. Starting with Stephen in Scripture and then going to multitudinous others. That's a real statement. In First uh, Corinthians, he said this, I know nothing against myself. 1 Corinthians 4. Really? Amnesia? Alzheimer's? No, I don't think so. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Why is it important that you and I accept what the blood of Jesus says concerning us. Because of 1 John chapter 3. If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. So if you will let this word persuade your heart your conscience that it's clean because of these nine sonship gifts, then there is nothing in this Bible that God can't do through you. Nothing is impossible to you in Christ. There are no limits on your future if you will let the Holy Spirit through his word, through the blood of Christ, do inside of you what Paul allowed the Holy Spirit to do on the inside of him. Now that's our goal. Okay, the, the whole book of Ephesians has three goals. There's, there are three goals that achieve, uh, three, three provisions that achieve this. Those three provisions are, are the goals, the outline of the book of Ephesians, verses 18 and 19 of Ephesians chapter 1. That we may know. What is the hope of His calling? What is the hope of Christ's calling? It's in John 17. Jesus prayed it. He explained it. That you may be one as the Father and I are one. That you may, you and I may develop the same relationship with God the Father that Christ had. And there are a lot of people that immediately say, you kidding me? There's no way. I'm not worthy for that. Sorry about that. The blood of Jesus made you worthy for that. That was Jesus' goal. The whole reason... Why? He endured the cross was so he could be the firstborn among many brethren. You and I could develop the same relationship with the father that he had. Now, that was his goal. John 17, 21 to 24. You cannot read it and not come to that conclusion. That we may be made perfect, complete. Tell us, grow into the same relationship with the father that Jesus had. If you commit to that, you have to have a clear conscience to walk in that. Well, you can't achieve that on your own, but the blood does that. The blood of Christ, if we accept it, it produces that. A clear conscience. I know nothing against myself. I have lived in all good conscience until this day. Twice. Second Timothy chapter one, verse three. Apostle Paul, his testimony. It's in the book. It's here in Ephesians. He tells us how he got there. That's number one. Your relationship with God carries you into step two, the glory of his inheritance. You get to live in the glory. You get to experience the glory. Arise, shine, your light has come, the glory. Ephesians is taught. The whole book is taught out of Isaiah 59, 60, and 61. 59, 20, and 21, if you will commit to walk in righteousness, then I will covenant with you, and I will give you the honor of laying the foundation for three generations of harvest. This congregation stood up, lifted their hands, and signed into that. That was their previous trip, two or three, four back. We did that. You said yes to that. The, God honors that commitment to walk in righteousness, to continue with a clear conscience. He honors that with Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2. Arise, shine, your light has come to glory. The glory, the glory is risen upon you. That's the progression of Ephesians. And point number three, I will manifest through you the exceeding greatness of his power. Now, that's what we're in the middle of. We believe God's going to do that right here in this congregation. And I'm telling you, it's been different for us. It's been really different. We've never committed to do four straight months, the same weekend every month, in order to get through this and see if the Lord won't do exactly what he said he's going to do. So we are by faith extending this, believing that God's going to do that. And I'm telling you, almost every trip, God adds something that I didn't have before. God is talking about this process. He's honoring our faith is what He's doing. And He's honoring the faith of this congregation. So that's what I'm doing this morning. This is an addendum, and I only got it when I got here. God told me one time, you'll pay attention where I give you stuff. Because it means something. When I give you a revelation of the word that you haven't had before, I, it's you are honoring the people who are there because they have a heart who is worthy to receive that word. I wouldn't honor them with a revelation that you've never heard before or heard anybody else teach if they hadn't proved themselves faithful So the first thing you need to know, this is not about you. This is not about building your kingdom. It's not about commercializing. It's not about selling a revelation. It's not about building a kingdom. of. Here's what it's about. Look out at the people you're ministering to. That's who it's about. It's about building the kingdom on the inside of them. And I have found them worthy to hear something other generations have not heard now you ready for that because that's what's on the table I mean, I'm not sure what we opened up when we walked down this path but man I'm telling you um, I'm beginning to get a clue and uh, it's way beyond what we expected alright That's what we're doing. The nine sonship gifts start in Ephesians 1, verse 4. Just as He, number one, chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. So smile at somebody and say, you were chosen. Number two, that we should be holy. He declared, in number two, He gives us the gift of holiness. Now, that is the most practical gift there is, because God cannot occupy your temple, because He is holy. Moses, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. Everywhere God goes, he sanctifies the very ground he occupies. So he cannot hang out in your house if he doesn't declare you holy. Smile at somebody and say, I don't care what you look like. God said you're holy. Amen. <laughs> so I believe it. I choose to believe what God said. Okay, if we're holy, we're holy. In Jesus' name, we'll eventually get there. Number three, you are without blame. Blame Blameless. Now, the next place this appears is Ephesians chapter 5. And he said, okay, men, now you're on deck. Because men, you treat women blameless, even though you know they aren't, they know they aren't. Don't smile at me that way. If you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Crucifixion comes in several ways. Number one, you marry it. Number two, you birth it. And then you get to enjoy it the rest of your life. And God ordained that to grow up. He ordained that for us to get... That's His purpose, all right? That's how He grows people. He grows us through adversity. Now, if we will sow blamelessness... Into each other, Ephesians 5 says, I will bring it back to you in the fear of God. I will give you the fear of the Lord. And as near as I can tell, that's the only way you birth it. So once we start treating each other blameless like Christ treats us, get ready because the fear of the Lord is going to manifest among us. I didn't write it. That's just how it unfolds. I didn't find it till I started down these nine sonship gifts. Number four, adoption. Smile at somebody and say, God adopted you. Hallelujah. All right. Now, I was because we did adoption last time. We talked about adoption, so this time I was going on number five in verse six, has made us accepted, uh, attempting to do redemption, pay the price, alright, and forgiveness of sin. But as soon as I got off the plane, God said, I want you to go check this word out, and sent me back to Exodus chapter 33, and so I went, oh my gosh. And, alright guys, so I'm telling you what we're doing. Today's an adoption service. Whether you like it or not, whether you want it or not, whether you understand it or not, I'm going to tell you, God wants us to know we are adopted. You know, I didn't know this. I just found this out on this trip. That when you adopt somebody, the last thing the judge orders, he orders a revision of your birth certificate. And if you're a father adopting, then the name Of that father is replaced, and your name goes on it, as dad. Now why is that important? Because when we end this morning, we're going to end with your biblical birth certificate that reveals what you and I were made of and what our father put in us that tells us why he adopts us. I've studied this book 44 years. I never saw this stuff till I got off the plane in your area, in this region right here. All right, church, go then over to uh, Romans chapter 9. Then we'll go back to the to where it first happened. Go to Romans 9. Start in verse 1. Romans 9, verse 1. I, it, I always like to pull it out of the New Testament if I can, then go back to the root of it in the Old, and then bring it forward. Now, that to me is how you build a full picture. You start in the New, you go back to the roots where it first started, and then you bring it back in fullness. All right, so that's the pattern. It's a biblical pattern we're going to follow this morning. 9-1. Romans 9-1. I tell you, tell the truth in Christ, I'm not lying. My conscience, oh, there we are with a conscience again. Also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain. Verse 4. Circle verse 4. What is the very first thing to whom pertain? The, that means definite article, the adoption. So what started Israel's walk with God? The adoption. And our walk will never come to fullness if we don't trace it back to the adoption and look at the purpose that God had for our adoption and the pattern of it in Scripture. There was a, there's a reason why God adopted us. And it's more than one of them. There is a purpose. And that purpose has a pattern and it goes all the way through. And it even gets clear in the book of Revelation how that unfolds. If you and I got the faith to read it, believe it, and walk it out. I mean, it's in the book, my man, we're talking about tall cotton. It's not an easy deal. Everybody say, the adoption. The adoption, the glory. Now, isn't that an interesting progression? The adoption that leads to the glory, the covenants. This is a covenant of adoption. It leads to a covenant of glory. Oh, my. Well, the service of God, giving the law, the service of God, the promises, of whom are the fathers, from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. Now, look at verse 6, 7, and 8. Okay? Smile at someone and say, who's Israel? It is not that the word of God has taken no effect. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Nor are they all children because they are seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is those who are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God. Not right now. But the children of the promise are counted as the seed. So the book of Romans tells us in Several places who currently qualifies as Israel. So, if you understand that you have to be born again, you have to accept the Messiah, then you qualify as Israel. Now, I know there are a lot of people who go, oh my gosh, that's replacement theology. Would you please turn your other ear on? Turn on both hearing aids. Turn on the other ear. That's not what we are saying at all. Now it would be if you did not also believe what the rest of the Bible says. God is going to graft Israel back in. Romans 11. We're not, a, we're not, uh, in disagreement with that. We are in agreement and we are preparing for that. I mean, the whole reason why you have to accept that you are now Israel is so that you can qualify to graft the Jewish people, back in. You, you've got to understand why we're the ones walking in covenant. The adoption. The glory. The covenant. What we're going to look at is covenantal. Hallelujah. So, the very last harvest, the Israelites. And they're coming in. But not until you and I make them jealous because they walked away from God three times. Second Chronicles 36, Matthew 23, Matthew 27, and Acts 13. Well, actually, there's four. But two of those are about one, so really three. Three times. So, in effect, what you end up seeing in both the Old Covenant and the New, that God says, okay, part of provoking them to jealousy is... I am going to give you the blessing. The Gentile Christians, I'm going to give you the blessing of the firstborn. Is that in the book? Yes. Don't have time to go into it. Read Isaiah 56. Read Romans 11. It's part of how you and I win the Jew in the end, in the last days. God has a plan. He has a plan to make them look at the church and go, Oh my gosh, I recognize that anointing we're supposed to have. It. How come you got what we're supposed to have? Because we found our Messiah and you haven't. You can have it. It's waiting for you. As a matter of fact, there's great blessing when you come marching into the kingdom. Would you get off your butt and get in here? But you and I have to make them jealous. Now, if you believe Romans, because that's what it says twice in the book of Romans. That we'll do that. We will walk in that. Wow. Verse 8. That is, those her children of the flesh are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Oh, boy. Well, hallelujah. Let's go back just a little bit, not far. How about one chapter? Back up just a little bit to Romans chapter 8, hallelujah, from 9 to 8, and pick it up in 8, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did... Not receive the spirit of bondage, again the fear, but you received. verse 15, circle it, the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, there is a spirit of adoption. And that spirit of adoption has a purpose. He's supposed to lead us into the full understanding of why we were adopted and what God has for our future. And we can pray that out, because that spirit of adoption... In verse 8, if you follow it all the way through, leads you into praying in the Spirit. We know not how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. And so you pray that mystery out. So the Spirit of adoption leads us to the full understanding of our adoption. So my question is, have you ever walked that out? I've been studying the Bible 44 years and I never have. But when I got here this time, God walked me through it. And then that's what we're doing this morning. We are walking through. The spirit of adoption has a purpose. There's a heart cry on the inside of you by the spirit of adoption that says, God, I want everything that you ordained for me before the foundation of the earth when I was created. I want it. I just don't know all. Show me. Show me. Show me. Smile at somebody and say, that's the only time of the year that you can get away with being from Missouri. And not be a jackass. (laughs) Sorry about that. Having grown up in Missouri, I'm all too familiar with that process. All right. Let's go back to where this adoption first started. Go to Exodus 33. And, And here's where God started with me. As soon as I got off the plane, He said, go to Exodus 33. 33, and he usually speaks to me when I get about uh, uh, 35,000 feet or above. They waited until I got on the ground this time. Exodus 33, verse 12. He said, go here, start here. This is the first adoption of Israel. It's right here. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by my name. That's verse 12. And you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I found grace in your sight, show me your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us, so we shall be... Separate. Circle that word. God said, "What does that word mean?" Separate. The Lord spoke to me about that word. What does that? What was Moses asking? Separate. So I looked up separate. It is the Hebrew word pa It has a number, if you like Strong's, sixty-three ninety-five. All right. It only appears seven. It's a verb here. It's a verb. It only appears seven times in your in your Hebrew Bible, seven times as a verb. But it has a completely different number as a noun. It does. Yeah. And it appears eighty times as a noun. So when God is communicating the concept. Uh, that ends up in adoption to Moses, he starts him out with the action of a verb and he takes him into the fullness of the noun. Is there anywhere else in the Bible? Oh, yeah, there are two places in the New Testament. Where, because the covenant's done here, he starts at the noun and takes us back to the verb. Here he starts at the verb and takes us to the fullness of the noun. This is where it all begins. You never understand the fullness of your adoption if God and I wouldn't, if God hadn't spoken to me about it, and walked me through it, church. Good grief. Man, this really... Oh, look at somebody and say pa-la. Pa, l a w, Pa-la. Seven times as a verb. First time. You know the law of first appearance, right? Okay. Go to Exodus chapter 8. First appearance, pa la There's a purpose here, and you can only get to it if you understand your adoption. But Moses doesn't... Where was Moses when he asked God for adoption? He had brought him out of Egypt. He's already experienced all the stuff we're reading right here. God taught Moses what to ask for, and here's where it began. God introduced this concept to Moses. This is what it means to be part of my family. Now, God's going to ruin Moses' life. He has a tendency to do that when he calls into ministry. (laughs) Takes all your great plans off the board. (laughs) Pick it up in verse 20. Exodus 8. Verse 20. And the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. Then say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. 21, Eight twenty-one. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people, into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of the swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. 22. Circle 22. And in that day, I will palah the land of Goshen. I will set apart the land of Goshen, and there will be no flies in Goshen. Palah. Why am I marking out a difference between my people and the unbelievers? God has a purpose. He's doing that for a reason. And that reason... Forms the foundation of our adoption. And you don't understand where God's going with adoption until you get the foundation of it. Because then you can wrap your faith around it and say, Okay, God, I'm in. I'm in. I'm on. Let's go. Let's unfold this thing. It is time to stop being who we've been taught we are and time to start being who we really are in you and the fullness of it. That's why the verb goes to the noun. The noun represents the fullness of it. And in that day I will set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell. No swarms of flies shall be there in order that you, the unbeliever, may know. In order that unbelievers may know. Unbelievers may know what? What? Oh my. That I am the Lord in the midst of the land and in the midst of my people, and I will make a difference between my people and your people tomorrow. This sign shall be. What's at the heart of your adoption? God's commitment to make you different, and a difference that other people want because he will raise you above the plagues and the adversity of the land. He didn't say you are not going to go through it, but he said, I will raise you out of it. Oh, my. Smile at somebody and say, pa-la. That's first. Let's go to the next one. Chapter 9, verse 1. Don't have to go far. I mean, once God introduces this, I mean, it keeps going, all right. Nine one. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go unto Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, on the sheep. There will be a very severe pestilence, and the Lord will, Pa-la, verb, make a difference. Verse 4, circle, make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Then the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing. So the Lord did this thing, on the next day and all the livestock of Egypt died. But of the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. Pa-la. I will teach Egypt that I draw a difference between my people because I choose to dwell in the midst of my people. And he's not through. I mean, this, this goes quite a bit further. Look in chapter 11. Pick it up in verse 4. Eleven four. Then Moses said, "Thus says the Lord: About midnight, I'll go out in the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even the firstborn of the maidservant who's behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the beast. And there shall be a cry go throughout all the land of Egypt, such as has not been before, nor shall be like it. But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue against man or against beast, that you may know that the Lord pa la." Makes a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Now, the next place you see that is where we, we just were. Exodus 33. All right, Moses brings them out. And now what does Moses say to God? Here's what Moses says to God. God, you've ruined my life. You have made me experience your pala. You have made me live in freedom where adversity is reigning all around me. I can't go back. if, If you won't continue this, I'm not going one step further. You have ruined my life. You have taught me something. I can't live without it. Now, if that means you adopt the whole nation, then God, come on, adopt the whole nation. But I'm not going without this. I cannot live without this. I refuse. You know what faith is? Faith is when you grab a concept and say, I refuse to live without this. You know, church, I'm beginning to believe something. I'm beginning to believe that tradition has stolen from us the fullness of what God wants to do. And the Lord is declaring war on our tradition in order to line up our faith with what He wants to do in the days ahead. He's trying to get us on the same page with Him so we can believe with Him about the magnitude of what He wants to do. And, and this, this is how this all began. How will it be known, verse 16, 33, Exodus thirty-three, sixteen. for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? So we shall, palah, your people and I, from all the people are on the face of the earth. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you found grace in my sight and I know you by name. And what is the second thing in Ephesians? The glory. The glory, the glory. And he said, show me your glory. And God didn't say no. God said, yes, there is a place by me. I have a place with your name on it, Moses. Verse 21. We talked about that last week, last time, last month. And the Lord said, here is a place by me. It's safe. Stand there. It's got your name on it. And my glory will come by. And you will learn to stand in that place by me where I protect you, where I teach you exactly what you to believe for. What you to ask for. There is a place. It's got your name on it. And you can stand in the glory. And I will protect you in it. Church. Come on, man. You don't think D.C. needs to see a church who walks in this? Our Supreme Court, they need to see it. Our senators, they need to see it. Our representatives, our president—we've got an un—we've unbel- got a nation who doesn't know God because they haven't seen Him, seen the difference through us, and that's over. I hear God say, "That is over." I am changing that because I am showing you what I created you for. And you wrap your faith around this, you receive this, and you watch what I'll do. I am a covenant-keeping God. I keep covenant to a thousand generations. God's not backing up, church. He's calling us. Come on. You're the ones that are behind. Come on. And so, in chapter fourteen, verses one through four. All right, they walk through that. Now, here comes the glory in verse five. All right, look where this goes. 34. Yeah, thirty-four. Same. It's, uh, we just moved from thirty-three to thirty-four because God's about to answer, and here comes the glory. Then the Lord descended in the clouds, stood with him there, proclaimed the name of the Lord, and the Lord passed before him, proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. By no means, clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children's children. Verse 8. So Moses made haste, bowed his head, he worshiped, then he said, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, be among us, even though we are stiff-necked people, pardon our iniquity and our sin, take us as your inheritance, adopt us, make us your kids. There's the cry, adopt us. Guess what the next verse says? 10. 34 10. And he said, this is God. God's reply to Moses. Behold, I make a covenant before all your people. I will do, circle marvels. I will do pa la Not the verb. The noun. The noun. 80 appearances. The fullness. The noun. Now, when you, here's what's amazing. This is where it starts. This is our adoption. This is what our adoption is all about. Now, here's what's amazing. When you go to the New Testament, now we're looking back. So when God's looking back, he starts with the noun, an and then he goes to the verb. Okay, so let's go look at how God sees this, how he sees our adoption. Now, from the New Testament, because there are two places where you start out with a noun, and you go back to the verb. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Now, we, we can all agree. I know we all agree with this. We all agree with verse 8. Colossians 2, 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, according to tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Well, man, we're climbing out of that hole. Mm-hmm. For in Him dwells all the. In Christ dwells all the. Play romo. Fullness of the Godhead bodily. We agree with that? Yeah, Jesus was the perfect manifestation of the Godhead. Jesus represented the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Do we agree with that? Everybody say noun. Noun. Fullness is the noun. Play Roma. And you are play ro-o. You're the verb in him. Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the noun, fullness. You are the verb. You're the action. You're the action that reveals who God is. You reveal the noun. You're the action. God has ordained you, family, the adopted kids, sons and daughters, to manifest. His. You are the action of the fullness of the Godhead. This is how it looks from the New Testament. All right. Go. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, in, anybody here have a governmental position? Yeah, I know you're half afraid to admit it, but that's going to change. That's going to change. Yeah, that's going go to change. Go to Romans. Go to Romans chapter uh, 13. Romans 13. Now, Romans 12, verse 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. Uh, ditto me, house. Create a path for wrath. I will do it. That's your job. You tell me what the, the Word says about judgment. I will execute it. Now, that leads us right into 13, 1 through 4. What is the purpose of government? Everybody say, what's the purpose of government? Purpose of government. All right, if you've got a governmental position, this purpose is is somewhere has an application in your life. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, the exorcists. There is no authority except from God. The authorities exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. Well, that's the sheriff's department, police department, military for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Terror, the terror of the, Lord. do we have any terror of the Lord in the nation today? Got any fear of the Lord in the nation today? Alright, smile at somebody and say, did God give you a governmental position? Look at somebody and ask them, did God give you a governmental position? Now, some of you are going to answer yes in the natural, but what I'm going for now is yes in the spirit. Yeah, Revelation 1, 5, and 6. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests. Are you or are you not, according to Revelation chapter 1, in Christ, verse 5 and 6, Revelation 1, 5 and 6. Did Jesus make you a king and a priest? Yes, Yes, he did. So you have a spiritual kingdom, kingdom governmental authority. A spiritual God's kingdom governmental authority. All right? That takes you over to Revelation chapter 5. And Jesus picks it up in verse 1. And I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll, written... Inside, on the back, seven seals. I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. Now, the scroll is a book, okay? Who is worthy to open the book and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy. Verse 5, ha-ha, turn around. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the land of the triumph of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed, to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. That's Jesus. Jesus now has the book of judgments, verse 8. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, 24 elders, fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Immediately, when Jesus takes the book of judgments, immediately, the next thing he does, before he picks a judgment, he looks at all the prayers of the saints. The prayers of the saints determine what he's going to pick as a judgment. What you and I are seeing is a God and sons and daughters operation in the last days. We're working. We determine. You say, can you you prove that? How many ways would you like to see it? Yes, I can prove that. I just want you to see it here because when you get to 9 and 10, the next two verses, you get the noun to the verb deal again. Verse 9, they sang a song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll open its seals. You were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Well, here we are. We're sitting here this morning. That's us. Now look in verse 10. Everybody say, Noun to verb. Noun verb. Verse 10. And made us boss, ill, use kings and priests. Same thing you read over in 1, 5, and 6. Yes. Has made that it that is the noun. Boss, ill use kings and priests to our God, and we shall boss ill you. Oh, the verb in the earth. I made you a king and a priest, so that I could show you how to walk it out and manifest it in the earth. And you know where this ends. This ends by making the Jew jealous. Well, what do the Jewish people know? What do they study from the time they grow up? They know the Passover. They know all the judgments of Egypt. They know where their nation was born. So where does this take us? It takes us to Revelation eleven three, four, five, 4, 5, and 6. And I will give power, authority, my two witnesses. They'll prophesy 1,260 days. Two olive trees, two stems, to stand before the God of the earth. If anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds out of their mouth. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls. They have power over water to turn it to blood. Oh, that's what, of course it's what Moses did. Because that's what the Jewish people understand. Mm -hmm. They know what Moses did in Egypt. And God said, now I'm going to provoke them to jealousy because I'm going to work those things through you in the last days. That's how you're going to bring them back in. You will walk as a king and a priest in the earth. Noun to verb. All right, church. We left. We did four of the original pala. There are three left. Smile at someone and say there are three left. Yeah, there are three left. Go to Psalm 4. Here's your last three. You know, why are we doing this? Because you got to see your birth certificate. We're going for your biblical birth certificate. Oh, man, wait till you see this. Yeehaw. Psalm (laughs) 4. I'll tell you what I feel like. I feel like that Navy pilot out there on the launch pad again. Uh (laughs) It's nothing like a cat shot. You want adrenaline? Oh, take a cat shot. Take a bombing run. Pick off a few missiles. Pull your automatic fire machine gun. I'll tell you, you want adrenaline, get in a dog fight. Go to war. Bomb the enemy. Release the napalm. There's nothing like it. I'll prepare you for messages like this. Oh, I'm sorry. I need a drink. <laughs> some congregations drive you to drink. This is definitely one of them. All right. Psalm 4, hallelujah. Look in Psalm 4, verse 1. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me when I was in distress. Have mercy on me, hear my prayer. How long, O you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? But know that the Lord has... Pala, set apart for himself, him who is godly, the Lord will hear when I call. The whole purpose that you were born is to set you apart in the last days so you can pray and God will hear you when you ask for his will. That's in your DNA. That's in your adoption. That's in your creation. The seed of this is in your adoption. Go to Psalm 17, verse 4. Psalm 17, hallelujah, verse 4. Concerning the works of men, by the word of your lips, I've kept myself from the paths of the destroyer. Uphold my steps in your paths, that my footsteps may not slip. I've called upon you. You will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Show me your pala by your right hand. God, when I call on you, You move your right hand and intervene. When Samuel called on the Lord, all the days of Samuel, they saw the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. In Acts 13, Paul, how long will you see the straight ways of the Lord? Behold, the hand of the Lord is against you, is on you. You should be blind for a season. Church, that's what has been ordained for us in the last days. That's what we're coming into. Now, here it is, your biblical birth certificate. Pala, Psalm 139. Oh, yeah. Yeah, wouldn't you know? Psalm 139. Pick it up in verse 12. This is your biblical birth certificate. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you have formed my inward parts... You have covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Pala are your works. And that my soul knows very well. When you and I were formed in our mother's womb, what formed us? God put pala, the verb, on the inside of us. It's in your spiritual DNA. You cannot get away from it. It was there. It was a primary ingredient when God put you together. And then He called you and declared you holy. And now He's declaring your adoption. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, skillfully wrought in lost lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they're all written, The days were fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. And inside that DNA is Pala. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked. Pala, There's Moses in action. That is in you. That is your birth certificate. You've got the full measure of the priestly. You can preach salvation to anybody who walks. And you can bring the judgment on those who resist and are trying to take people to hell. It's up to God. There is a place in His glory. You were formed for this, church. This is who you are. Hallelujah. I'm declaring to you right now, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, you are adopted in him. And your birth certificate, spiritual birth certificate, has his name on it. All right? And I'm telling you what you were formed for. You were formed to make a difference in seasons like this. Tuesday, we got an election we got God-haters, God-mockers, God-robbers on the ballot. We've got some people who want to champion God's kingdom principles, and we've got a bunch of people who don't. So, I'll tell you what my family and I are praying. We're praying Psalm 35, 4 through 8. And we're praying it over the righteous, all right? That, God, you will promote and bless the righteous, the God-lovers, the God-champions, those who refuse to shed innocent blood, those who refuse to promote perversion. The Marsha Blackburns, Ted Cruz's, Dave Bratz, Ted Buds, Yvette Harrell, Scott Perry, Denver Riggleman, Rick Scott, um, Mike Braun, Josh Hawley, Matt Rosendale, Bob Huggin, Patrick Morrissey, and Martha McSally. Those are candidates who have all signed on to No more shedding of innocent blood. All right, God. In the name of Jesus. You know who they're running against. You know who they are. So I declare Psalm 35, 4 through 8 right now. In the name of Jesus. May those who seek the life of your people be disgraced and put to shame. May those who plot the ruin of future generations be turned back in dismay. May they be like chaff before the wind. With the angel of the Lord driving them away. May their path be dark and slippery, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. Since they hid their net for us without cause, and without cause they dug a pit, may ruin overtake them by surprise. May the net they hid entangle them, and may they fall into the pit to their own ruin. Now, Lord, in Jesus' name, intervene in this election, and give us righteousness on both sides of the aisle. Hallelujah. Now, Father, I declare over this people right now, would you stand with me? Stand up with me. Father, I declare that these people are your adopted sons and daughters. Lift your hands one more time. These people are your sons and daughters. And, Lord, we just read our DNA birth certificate. You were there. And, Lord, you put La on the inside of us. And now, Father, you have promised its fullness. You have covenanted with us that you will do exactly what Moses asked. And our generation will know that there is a difference because of you in our midst. So, Father, I declare, these people are adopted and they now carry the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Their spiritual birth certificate has Jesus Christ all over it. So, Lord, thank you right now, in the name of the Lord, I activate this covenant of adoption. I activate this covenant of intervention. I activate this covenant of separation in the name of Jesus. Separate them that the world may know that God lives and he lives in this people. Lord, thank you for it. Rule and reign through us as only you can In Jesus' name, and everyone agreed by saying, amen. 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 Hallelujah. That's uh, going to be on Facebook Live and on the internet. You should listen to it again and again (laughs) until you get it all. That's a lot of stuff. Someone's got, like God took the last seven years and wrapped it all together and put a little bow on it. Boom. It all came together today. That was classic vintage Alhouten. See you tonight at 6.